It's time for episode 387 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that goes by as quickly as the month of February, apparently. My name is Dan Morton, and I am joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my dungeon buddy, it's Mr. Micah Sargent himself. Yes, it is he, it is I, ha-ha! Um, I will never get tired of hearing Dungeon Buddy, it's funny every time. Uh, how you doing, Dan? I'm doing okay, Micah, how are you? Just peachy keen over here. Peachy Keen. It's also Peachy Keen to say that we have two fantastic guests this week. To my left, it is my good friend and co-host on, I'm going to name them all, Not Playing with Lex and Dan, The Rebound, Friendly Competition, and Inconceivable, it's the one and only Lex Friedman. Hi, Lex. Have I earned any points yet? Uh, My bell is just (laughs) out of reach. Just out of reach. Sorry. Uh, and to my left, it is the community manager at Micro.blog, of course, a prolific podcaster, including uh, the Voyager podcast on on the Incomparable, as well as Sestra cast, uh, which I just watched Orphan Black for the first time. We'll have to talk about that sometime for sure. Uh, Agents of Smooch. Yay. And uh, also just a delightful guinea pig owner or guinea pig haver uh it is gene the incredible mcdonald welcome back to the show gene (laughs) thank you micah i'm really glad to be here and with all you all you all and i'm happy to be here with all of you all and i'm happy to start it off with this question this week is there an app that you use you know all the time frequently one that maybe you even like but you think it deserves some reinvention some attention uh some love lex i know you have feelings about apps i do i and i was i i have i'm debating what my answer is to this question i'm going to go with two because i cheat um both mail and messages um I would like to see change. I don't even use mail on the Mac because it annoys me too much. But mail on iOS is fine. It it does what it needs to do, but it doesn't feel at all like an advanced mail app on the iPhone. It feels like very basic. Um, mail search has always been terrible as far as I'm concerned on all platforms. Um, so when I need to search for an email on my iPhone, I always switch over to the Gmail app to actually find it. And uh, the Gmail app is also not great, but it's really good searching. So that's one. And then I would love for iMessage, which has receive steady improvements i would love for it to frankly be um more flexible in terms of how i can communicate in basically i want it to be more like slack but for my private iMessage conversations meaning i want to be able to use any emoji to react to uh, a specific message and i want to see typing notifications even in group chats those are the things that i want so thank you for your time apple and dan (laughs) <laughs> one hopes we will get all of the things that you've asked for specifically or especially for iMessage um, f- as the resident smart home guru the home app is an app that I use very often um, other people like to use their voice to control their homes if they have smart home stuff I am a control freak and therefore use my fingers in the home app to control my house and there's just a lot of work that could be done to the home app that's uh, why there's a third party market for uh, home kit enabled setups that uh, for for apps for controlling that um it needs somehow to be uh 
easier to use while also including the ability to access some of the more complex things that one can uh, control with HomeKit. So I know it's not an easy task, dear home app developer, but uh, I've got faith in you and I think you can do it. (laughs) Jean, what is yours? My choice is photos and uh, I use it a lot. And I think that you know, as time goes on, where you're only going to have more photos. Um, and it's just was hard to find things to begin with. And it's, it's very hard now. So I'd like to see a few options that I don't think are too complicated. But for example, if I've emailed somebody a photo, or texted a photo to somebody or used it in any way, you know, with say a share sheet, could I have a, an album, a smart album with things that I've shared already, so I don't have to go back and search for them or to favorite them when they're not actually favorites. And things like albums, um, I'd like to be able to see recent photos without things that are stuck in albums, because I put them in albums for a reason. Um, Basically, I already know they're there. Um, Usually Star Trek memes or screenshots or, um, yeah, photos. I just like to see things be easier. I think the search is actually kind of interesting, but, uh, you know, obviously could be worked on. Like, for example, you can't find a guinea pig photo unless you search on dog. Oh, that's, that's not the same thing at all. Even I know that. And I'm no expert. Uh, those are all great answers. Yeah. And lots of places that I think Apple could improve things. I was, you know, Lex, I was going to pick the mail app because I agree. I do use it on the Mac, but it definitely needs some updates. It does feels like a place where not only does it not feel like a modern app, but it really feels like Apple should be leading the pack in terms of like, we build this in on every device. It's the best mail client, right? It's the only mail client you'll ever need. I think they should live up to that idea. Uh, And, you know, not to say that third party apps can't provide well needed competition in that space, but I I feel like it's kind of gotten stagnant. The other one I'll throw out there, and I don't use it as much as many people do, but the calendar app on both iOS and Mac feels very bare bones. And again, there's a vibrant third-party competition uh, ecosystem there, you know, Fantastical or, or what have you. But I think there's a few things that could make the calendar app on both Mac and iOS just more... Uh, accessible for a lot of people. My biggest frustration, I've, I've complained about this for years, and it's something I think Fantastica and other calendar apps do, is, you know, if I have multiple versions of the same event on separate calendars, because I'm sharing those calendars with different people, it doesn't have to show me the same event three times, mm-hmm. like, next to each other. <laughs> just show one. It's fine. Like, I'll get, you know... So little things like that, where it's like, ah, you know what? You could just make this a better experience, and uh, I would be happier. But thank you all for your input on that topic let's go to our second topic which comes from lex my question is uh how early in the morning of after waking do you grab your phone and how late do you use it at night before you go to sleep and then as a corollary do you use any of the um features that your phone makes available to you to either make it easier to use or harder to use at night is this some kind of counseling <laughs> session i didn't sign up for this uh no i kid i quick well let's see so when I wake up in the morning, um, I pretty quickly have to grab my phone to either hit snooze or stop um, <laughs> so that I can either get up or continue to sleep some more. Um, so I do use my phone as an alarm. Um, and 
after that, I kind of have a, a little bit of a process of um, I will basically I wake up, uh, but I'm not ready to fully get up yet. And so I adjust the lighting in the bedroom to kind of make it brighter so that I will wake up soon, hit the snooze button, kind of go back to sleep, then get up that after that snooze goes off and, and uh, play around on my phone a little bit before I'm kind of ready to get up. So that usually just means reading through Twitter or something. Uh, as for night, um, I'm actually pretty good about putting my phone down. And part of that is because I do use the bedtime features on the iPhone. So uh, that thing kind of locks the screen. It makes it a little bit more difficult to get into. You have to sort of dismiss it twice. It brings down the brightness of the screen. I actually go as far as to use uh, an accessibility feature called reduce white point to make the phone even darker um, because I don't want my retinas being blasted with the blasted with the blue light rays at night. So yeah, definitely good about not using it before bed. Not so great about kind of making it the first thing I look at when I wake up in the morning. What about you, Jean? Well, I I think this is one of those questions like that researchers would find a lot of people just lie, like they (laughs) lie to their doctors. I read it and I'm like, I'm going to have to admit that when when I wake up, I do look at the phone. Um, I like I, I like to see my sleep plus plus results, and I also look at the weather um, to decide whether it's worth getting up at all. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, nighttime, I do continue to use it, although I do have it set automatically to go into night mode um, at sunset. I, it sometimes is a little weird, and I switch it back, but. Um, but I do usually play a round of good Sudoku before turning out the lights. Um, I, in the morning, so my wife's alarm goes off before mine. So actually the radio these days goes off around seven and I will usually, you know, just kind of lie in bed half sleeping until she has to get up, which is like seven forty-five or so, at which point I will probably start to, you know, read through stuff on my phone Sometimes I wake up earlier and sometimes I've been awake for a long time because sometimes I just wake up super early for no particular reason. Um, and I will sort of try and not pick up my phone until at least 7 a.m. or so. Um, but I don't always quite manage that. At night, I do use the the night shift mode at sunset. I have gotten totally used to that now, so it doesn't really bother me uh, and I have the bedtime feature set up now where it does the, like, I think at like 1030 or so, it tells me like, hey, you're supposed to go to bed soon. Uh, and then I have at 11, it actually does the, like, goes into bedtime mode and like stops alerting me of the stuff. And usually I've been pretty good about putting my phone down sometime between 1030 and 11. I always try to read before I go to bed these days, which I do on my Kindle. Um, so I try to do that for 20 minutes or so, at least to sort of disengage my brain. But I probably should be even better about it. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> my answer is basically dan's um but the so i i do use night shift although i don't believe in it having any actual effect on my ability to sleep after using my phone or anything like that but um uh, so at night i my phone goes into do not disturb officially at eleven fifteen. i don't use the bedtime settings but i do have it you know remind me that it's bedtime <laughs> and uh, i find the vibration either on the watch or on the phone when the phone gives you the notification that, hey, this is the time you like to go to bed at 11, I find that notification like very disturbing. Like the, the, the way that <laughs> vibration pattern happens, I always find slightly disconcerting, but I've not ever changed it. 
Uh, in the morning, though, I always wake up much earlier than I want. I haven't used an alarm in, I don't know, 10 years. Sometime after I had children, I stopped needing alarm clocks to wake up. Um, but I wake up, I don't need to leave my bed until like 6.45 or 7 at the earliest, but I typically wake up around 6. Uh, and so the very first thing I do in a pattern that was uh, developed to my horror during the previous presidential administration, I just check Twitter right away as my source of news and what <laughs> what great horrible things have happened overnight. But I haven't broken that habit, so I still check Twitter first thing every morning, which I can't imagine is good for me, but it's what I do. And then, uh, but like Dan, you know, once I'm in the bed, phone is away and the Kindle comes out, and then I fall asleep by dropping my Kindle on my face at some point. Or I don't fall asleep <laughs> by doing that, but I fall asleep and do that. <laughs> That's the worst, though, because then you wake yourself up and you have to fall asleep again. I hate it. <laughs> All right, that's two topics down, which of course means it's halftime here at Clockwise, and this week's episode is brought to you by Pingdom. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content or how effective your marketing, they'll most likely bounce if your website is loading too slow. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues affect your visitors' experience, so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser, device, and platform they use. So you want to identify how visitors are experiencing your website so you can make informed optimizations and deliver a great performance to those who matter the most. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it's built for scalability, meaning you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then, when you sign up, use the code CLOCKWISE at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Micah, halftime is over. What do you have for us? Uh, Spotify announced that it was uh, working on hi-fi music, and that just kind of re-sparked this question that I always have. Um, For you, can you tell the difference between non-hi-fi music and hi-fi music? And if you can, do you think it's enough of a difference to want to pay a higher price for hi-fi versions of songs? Gene, we'll start with you. Quick answer is no, I can't tell the difference. And I even tried one of those tests and it made me so annoyed I had to stop doing (laughs) the test because I was like, this is just, I can't tell. Um, I'm sure I could train my ears to be a little bit more discerning, but I already have some expensive tastes and I've always tried to avoid things like fancy coffee preparation and audio, fancy audio equipment to uh, avoid having any more expensive taste than I need right now. <laughs> That's a great way of thinking about it. The audio is definitely one of those things that you can spend as much money as you possibly want on. No, I don't think I can really tell the difference. Maybe if I was working very hard at it, like I really was concentrating, but that's not how I listen to music. Like I don't sit there listening to music like, let me just think about this music really hard. No, I listen to music while I'm doing other (laughs) things. I'm not paying attention most of the time. So for me, it's never really seemed like a worthwhile investment. I also have tinnitus in one of my ears. So like, I don't know, it's like I got plenty of problems already to deal with that are interfering with my (laughs) with my hearing. I don't need to spend time drawing more attention to that. So I understand the appeal of this. And I mean, for people who love it and really get something out of it, I think it's great. But for me, it's just never something that I have felt any real, uh, you know, need to have or, or disappointment that I don't have. 
Lex, I, th- I suspect I know the answer, but why don't you weigh in here? If I'm on, if I'm on wired headphones and paying attention, then yes, I can tell. But I, and I, I don't think that uh, high quality audio is quite as egregious as like high quality cables. Like, well, these are gold plated cables, so they'll transfer your data even better. Like it's the same data. Like there is more, there are more bits to share, more audio bits to share if it's, if it's less compressed audio for sure. But uh, no, I mean, if I'm, like I said, if I'm on wired headphones and listening very attentively, sure, I can tell, but I'm, you know, 40 and I have kids. When I'm listening to music, <laughs> it's on Bluetooth headphones or whatever speaker is nearby. And sometimes that's a expensive speaker. And more often it's a less expensive speaker. And it's, I'm not only listening to the music, I'm also being a dad or talking to my kids or having a meal or whatever else. So it just doesn't matter for me. More power to you, Spotify and every other music streaming company that's either already offering this or going to do it. And I think it is a subset of people for whom it'll ever be useful and an even smaller subset of those people for whom it's actually useful so there's i think a number of people who will want it and then a smaller number of people who will actually benefit from it well put lex um i so i've i've tried listening i mean i've i'm a younger person and so in theory my ears are uh well within the sweet spot for hearing the difference between the music and i've got you know a a couple of pairs of headphones that were not inexpensive uh headphones wired headphones and i can tell that there's a, a slight difference between um listening to a hi fi version of someone's song versus uh, you know listening to the the average everyday version, but it is by no means, for me, enough of a difference to warrant the extra price. Um, it, it's it's kind of one of those things where I think if I, if music played a more uh, front of mind role, kind of like what Dan was talking about, it's kind of a background thing, if it was a more front of mind role in my life, then I could see and appreciate it. But given how it is a, a thing that I dance to or a thing that I listen to in the background while I'm doing other things. Um, it is not as important for me to have uh, that super high fidelity sound and, you know, listening to it on a HomePod, HomePod mini, uh, sometimes out of the speaker on my iPhone itself, like an animal. Uh, it's just not that important to me, but uh, it was interesting to hear everybody's perspectives on that. So thank you. Let us move on to to our final topic, which comes from Jean. So many folks have had to contend with emergencies in the last year, and even, you know, in years in recent memory, I think all four of us have been in a pinch due to some natural disaster uh, of late. But I'm curious what tech you have added to your emergency preparedness toolkit as a result of your own experiences or seeing the plight of others. So I don't have a great answer for this because I'm a bad person who doesn't have an emergency kit. I know, I know, I know, I know I should. Um, I'm lucky to live in an area where most of the time I'm not effect- I have not been affected by major national or natural disasters other than, of course, you know, the pandemic that we're all dealing with. But I will say that one thing that I did add to my car like toolkit was a compressor. Um, for pumping up tires um, that plugs into the the uh, you know the DC power port uh, in a car, which is great. 
and I've <laughs> I've had a tire that's been leaking air for like the last two months, and I know I will get it fixed eventually. Just the the, <laughs> the overhead of having to take it to the to like the tire place right now was just too much to deal with. So instead, I just go out every few days and I fill up the tire again. Um, but it is something that I consider important to have because it has gotten harder and harder to find a place where you can actually go fill up a tire at a gas station. And about fifty percent of the time, when I used to go, the machines would be out of order, or I wouldn't have like coins or something and i was just like this is so annoying so i spent the like i don't remember what it was 50 60 bucks on a compressor and it was one of the best purchases i've ever made so maybe not quite an emergency kit edition but it's something that i have felt has been a lifesaver lex what about you for me it's always about power it's about electricity more than anything else and so um you know i, I do have solar panels on my house um, and a couple of years ago invested in, uh, Tesla's power walls, which, um, take the extra sun that your house doesn't need and store it up in batteries. And then you can tell the power walls how much to keep in reserve. So I can use some of it overnight when there's no sun left <laughs> and, um, power the house from that. And I can tell, you know, always keep X percent of that battery in you, that battery power in you so that if I lose power completely, you can help me out. And it knows if there's a storm coming because it's connected to the internet. And so like when we've had these recent snowstorms here in New Jersey, um, it's been filling up the wall. Uh, right off the grid just so that if there is a power failure i can go to that instead uh that's one and then i i hoard those collectible uh that's not the right word i hoard those portable chargers uh anytime one goes on sale that's you know a, a portable kind of iphone charger this that's smaller than the iphone itself or they're about size i will buy them and the house has many and i always keep them charged and you know my kids my spouse they all take them sometimes like if they just have a low power device but want to be sitting in the you know family room using it and so they'll use that to power it. but the rule is if you take one of those batteries you will then go charge it up again afterwards because i like them all full at all times uh but th those are my two emergency things i never want to be without power again after hurricane sandy because it was a week and it was terrible uh that's very cool i have um uh, a couple of i've added a couple of um what is it? USB rechargeable uh, lights to my my kit recently. Uh, kind of replacing some battery one, or not replacing, but it, it augmenting some battery ones. Um, and not too long ago, uh, my partner and I decided to go watch the sunset at a beach, just because what else is there to do? And uh, that was very handy to get. Uh, we, we took one with us and it was very handy to get off of the beach uh, using that kind of climbing back up the, the stones as we uh, exited the beach. Um, other than that, I, I'm kind of upset because I can't remember the name of this app. Oh, I think I just did. Uh, I think it's called Harbor. Uh, yes. And uh, this is a pretty neat app if folks have not uh, checked it out yet, but I, I know it's definitely available on the iOS app store. Um, and it is a way to kind of plan for your, uh, for emergency. And so what it does is it includes a bunch of information about different, it, it will ask you for your location and uses that as a means to provide kind of what is most likely to happen around you. Um, and then uses that to kind of inform you. And so you go through this whole set of, of different tool of, of different, uh, emergency preparedness things. And it includes, you know, kind of check boxes that you, um, 
will will answer and make sure that you've got your contact list ready and all sorts of stuff. So it's uh, it's a pretty neat app that can help you with hurricanes, home safety. Uh, it's got content that's been pulled in from uh, the American Red Cross, FEMA, etc. Um, so if you are looking for a way to uh, kind of get ready. Maybe Dan, you know, you you jokingly said like, "I know I need to put it together." This is a great app for that to help you. I just get downloaded the it. Process Micah, thank ready. you. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's mine. That sounds like a cool app. I'm definitely going to download it. Um, I definitely uh, benefited this year from getting a portable power station. I got uh, the Jackery uh, 160, which is the smallest one, and it. It has an AC outlet and along with USB charging ports. And so you can run small appliances. You know, you can't run a hairdryer off of it, but you can um, run a TV, which is what I bought it for, an emergency TV. Not not exactly, but I did. I was doing um, backyard micro cinema as i called it with a, mm-hmm. a large tv fire uh amazon fire equipped tv that i could stream video in the backyard with chairs like socially distanced so i could have a couple people over to watch um but then we did have a power outage and uh i had in the meantime bought a second one i bought the slightly bigger one so that it would have enough power to run more than a couple of episodes on the TV. And it ended up, uh, I was able to keep my internet connected during a, a power outage, which, you know, by plugging the, you know, the various routers into these AC chargers. And that was pretty cool. But I did feel like um, if this were some serious emergency, it was, it I'd feel kind of dumb if I used all my power up just to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> so, streaming. So uh, we we did recently have Snowpocalypse last week here in Portland. And when I saw that it was coming, I thought it would be better if you just downloaded a bunch of video now so that all you would have to do is charge up your devices and not necessarily run the internet uh, with your power generator just to stream video. So anyway, I, I highly recommend them. They, they, uh, they are not cheap, but I feel so much more you know secure that I. It's not just my devices I can charge up. I can plug something into them and run it at least for a short amount of time if I need to. Nice. All right, that's four topics down. We've got just enough time for a bonus topic there. So I'm going to ask you really quick, what's a word that you've learned possibly recently that you you really like? Lex? I'm going to go with anti-penultimate, which Mm. is (laughs) A-N-T-E penultimate, which is the one before penultimate, so third to last. And I like it because I learned anti-penultimate ultimately, penultimate, penultimately, and and ultimate was the anti-penultimate of the word order that I learned those words in. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Crud, Dan, I misread your uh, bonus topic. I thought it was just, what's a word you like? Not necessarily that I learned. That's okay. fine. I just really like. like the word superb. I think superb is a superb mm. word. And I, I it, it almost sounds like it should just be a silly word, but it's not. And the, the spelling is kind of odd, but it's superb. Indeed. What about you, Gene? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with fanfarinade, which... Uh, <laughs> Is a word I learned recently in preparing for the incomparable spelling bee. 
And it means empty boasting, like, you know, boasting about perhaps when you learned anti-penultimate um, <laughs> and whether that's really something you want to brag about. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. I was, uh, I was reading a book uh, recently and the word kept coming up, propitiate. And I was like, I feel like I should know that, but I don't. And I looked it up and it's to win or regain the favor of a God spirit or person by doing something that pleases them, which... Oh. I like that. I like the idea of like, you know, trying to rewin the the God's favor there. That sounds pretty good. All right. That's a lot of new words for you. We'll we'll spin that off into our new WordWise show. We learn new words. Uh, but until then, we'd like to thank our guest this week, Lex Friedman. Thank you so much for being here. Keep watching the dictionary. <laughs> and Gene McDonald, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Micah, Dan, and Lex, of course. And Michael will be back next week. But until then, we remind all of our listeners out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.